Hi, I'm Jacqueline James. I am a mom of several beautiful children. Uh, I'm a business owner and I have been coming to Triumph right now for about three years. I've always paid tithes. Uh, I grew up that way. My mom was consistent in paying her tithes and she taught us to consistently pay tithes. I kind of uh, grew away from it as I got older. Uh, I've always paid them, but my consistency kind of went out the window a little bit. I struggled so much. Uh, I lost my son at the age of 18. I married, my husband and I divorced for, not separated, I'm sorry, for four years. I lost several friends, jobs, and I had to remember that God, He was always there for me during this time. I have a business, I have a daycare, uh, which is just wonderful. It's a ministry to me. God allowed me to open a business during a time when things were just going so wrong in my life. Um, I was a teacher for 15 years. And I decided one day to listen to God and quit my job and open my own business. On the day that I opened my business, I just had signed a lease on a, a nice new building in a great location. I got a call as I was walking to my car that my husband had been in an accident. I rushed to the hospital where he was injured and I began immediately, my whole world changed. It went from him being in the hospital that day to being out of work for the next two years. During that time, it was the hardest time in my life. Uh, it was days I didn't know whether we was gonna eat, and I was like, oh my God, how am I gonna run a business? Well, during that time, I needed to continue to be obedient to God. God was telling me to open your business, Allow kids to come to your business. Remember me. Be faithful with me, and I'll be faithful with you. I began to start paying my tithes consistently, and God began to open doors for me. God provided food for us. He helped pay bills. He provided sanity for my husband, and he gave me unbelievable strength because I literally had the whole world on me. I had children counting on me, parents that I still needed to be there for. My husband, who was going through so much, I still needed to be a wife, a mother, and I still needed to be sane. So God provided all of that for me through a time that was so rough in my life. God wants us to be consistent with Him because He's consistent with us. During the time that I was struggling, God was there for me. So I didn't need to make any promise to do any betting. I just needed to be obedient. And I've learned something through this process. It has made me stronger, a stronger relationship with God. It has brought me, it showed miracles to my children, to me and my husband. We're praying more together. We're closer together and it has brought my faithfulness to God stronger. Being consistent in my tithing changed my life. 
Now, God has done something so amazing in my life. I have a new home, and in my new home, it's so beautiful. It's a home that I didn't, I couldn't imagine. I've always been a simple girl. I didn't need much, but God has provided me with a home, a large home, a home where each one of my children can have their own rooms. He's provided us with cars. He's just restored and replenished everything we lost during the last two years. God has just been amazing in my life. And I know I won't go back. I will continue to tie consistently and faithfully. I will continue to devote my life to exactly what God saved for me to do. Amen. Grab your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, if you would. We're in our last week of this series entitled, It's Personal. And we've been talking a lot about tithing and why we tithe. I tithe because I'm putting God first. I tithe because it's personal to God. I tithe because it's about my kids. It's about my grandparents. It's about my family. Uh, but today, just, just breathe with me one time. I'm not going to pound you on tithing anymore today. Uh, actually, I'm going to mention it one time, but I do want to talk to you about uh, a very important subject uh, in, our, in our lives uh, as it relates to our money, and not so much in what we give to God, but in what we're doing with our money and who's in control of it. And we find it right here in Matthew chapter 6. Uh, before I go there, let me just say this to you. There's a, there's a movie that has come out, I believe it's called Do You Believe?, and it's a, a, a great uh, movie to help people uh, find their faith in God. And we have a, a team led by the Charleses that have been there this weekend praying for people as they come out of the theater and giving out crosses and some things. If you'd like to be a part of that, make sure you see the Charleses uh, after service. You can get some details. And uh, they've got some great testimonies already of good things God has done in people's lives. So that's happening this weekend. And go see the movie. Uh, if you if you get a chance, maybe it's raining tonight, just go see the movie. Uh, I'm hearing great, great things about it. I just hadn't had a chance to see it yet. All right. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. If you're there, say amen. amen. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, everybody say this with me, there your heart will be also. Verse 22. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. Verse 24. No one can serve two masters. For he will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. And, and then just to be clear, this is what Jesus says. You cannot serve God and money. You can't serve them both. I want to talk to you today, but not so much about your giving. I want to talk to you about your heart. Jesus talked a lot about money uh, because he knew this principle. He wasn't worried about money for money's sake. He was worried about money for your heart's sake. Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
And you say, and, and I love that will be. Because if your heart isn't there yet, give it a few minutes, it'll be there soon. You keep putting your money into something long enough, and your heart will be there also. You keep your money out of something long enough, and you'll look up, and your heart will no longer be there. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus was worried about our hearts. Consider this. God God isn't so much worried about money. The Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. The Bible says that the the Lord owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's, He's not so much worried about our money as He is our heart. It's a heart issue with God. And you need to know something. Satan doesn't care about your money either. He cares about your heart. And if he can give you money to get your heart, he'll give you money. Or if he can take all of your money and in return get your heart, he'll take all of your money. Satan doesn't care about your money any more than God does. He simply wants to steal your heart. And he'll use money in any way he can to do it. Here's what the Bible says. No one can serve two masters. One version said it like this. You can't be slaves to God and money at the same time. You can't be slaves to both. You can only be slaves to one or the other. But human nature says it must attach itself to one of the two principles. Either the principles of God or the principles of money or mammon. So Jesus gives two opposing forces here. Now in the English standard he uses the term money but there's a caption on the side and if you look down at the bottom the actual Greek word used there was not money but it is mammon. And so the, the, the translators, some translators chose to use the word money uh, as a way of simplifying it here uh, because there's some uh, discrepancies as to what mammon, mammon actually means. There, there are some people that can trace it back in a, in a number of different ways, but always in the form of Greek, here's what it means. It's the spirit that wants to control you by controlling money. And so he says, no one can serve two gods. You cannot serve God and the God of money or or the spirit of money, which is called mammon. You cannot serve both. Now, I want to give you a couple things here. uh, There's a lot of these I could give you, but there's two important ones I want to give you today. Two myths that, that we get confused on as it relates to money. Two myths about money. Number one, the first myth I hear is that God wants me to live in poverty or just barely enough. This is is a lie. Now, there are a few people that God wants to call to a vow of poverty, but He didn't call me to that. And unless He's called you to that, He wants you to live in His blessings. He wants you to live in abundance, not in poverty or just enough. The problem with poverty is it wants to control you as well. And we'll talk about that more in a few minutes. But this is, this is a myth. Being a devout Christian doesn't mean that you have to be a broke Christian. Because it's often been traced back to, well, man, they really, really love God. They don't have any money and they're broke all the time and they're, they're bumming off their, all their friends, but they really love God and it's because they love God that you know, they just give all their money away so they must be closer to God. Not necessarily. Being a devout Christian doesn't mean that you have to be a broke Christian. And being broke doesn't mean that you're more devout. I mean, you look through the history, the history of the Bible. Abraham was blessed. And by blessed, I don't mean that he just had a couple of nice camels. 
I mean that he had, he had almost an entire kingdom. Put it this way. Abraham was so bad to the bone that he, he and his boys went and defeated multiple kings. Genesis 14. You watch, you track through his sons. Isaac was blessed 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold in one year. He was blessed, blessed, blessed. Jacob was blessed, 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 blessed. Everything they did was blessed. Track it through the Bible. David wasn't broke. David wasn't broke. Solomon wasn't broke. These men weren't broke. And if you read about the disciples, not all of the disciples were broke. Many of them were businessmen. And then you find times in the Bible where, he, where it kind of goes quiet for a season as you study the timeline of the Gospels. And it, just study this on your own time. But if you find time, and part of the reason why is because some of these men would go home, handle their business, take care of their wives and kids, and then come back to serve Jesus. They weren't all broke. And yet, the devil wants to tell us that, you know, if I'm broke, it's, you know, I must be closer to God. That's a myth. If you were called to a vow of poverty, I bless you in the name of the Lord. <laughs> but that wasn't me. And don't put that, don't allow the devil to put that on you. So here's the, here's the second myth. The second myth is this, that money and possessions are evil. Money is evil. Money is bad. Money is neutral. Well, yeah, but Pastor Renan, uh, uh, Paul wrote in Timothy and, and said that money is the root of all kinds of evil. No, he didn't say that. Look what he said. The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the truth and pierced themselves with many sorrows. What is he talking about here? He's talking about people who have stopped following God and started following the God mammon. The love of money. Because you can either love the one and hate the other. You can follow the one and despise the other. Right? Here's what he's talking about. He's referring to the words of Jesus. If you, if you have a love of money, it's going to lead you away from God. He doesn't say that money is bad because money is neutral. Money is a tangible object. Saying that money is evil is like saying that this pulpit is evil. It's just an object that we trade. That's all that it is. But here's the thing about money. All money has a spirit on it. It either has God's spirit on it, or it has uh, the spirit of mammon on it. The spirit that wants to control you and control your finances and control your money. It controls through fear. It controls through worry. It controls through doubt. It controls through giving you a lot and promising you a lot. But all money has a spirit on it. But the money is not evil. The, 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 the $20 bill in your pocket is not a walking demon that's burning a hole in you right now. It's not evil. It's just, it's just tangible. But... There is a spirit on all money. And if you don't have God's spirit on your money, you do have the spirit of mammon on it. Now, let's, let's, let's continue here just a little bit. Dive a little bit more into this idea of mammon. Um, man, mammon, is a, mammon is a jealous God just like God is, our, our God. The Bible says that uh, God wrote in, in Exodus, said, I am a jealous God. Mammon is a jealous God, and He only wants you to serve Him. And that's one of the reasons that Jesus chose these two is because they both are craving all of us. And your money can either serve God or it can replace God, but it can't do both. 
So here's three truths about mammon. Number one, mammon speaks to you. Mammon speaks to you. It promises things that only God can give because it wants to be God in your life. It promises security. It says that it can insulate you from God's problems, it prom- uh, from the world's problems. It promises you significance, that you could really make a difference in your life, in your world, if you had more money. It promises identity, that you, know, you would be somebody. And people would think you were somebody just because you have more money. It promises independence that you don't have to rely on anyone else. It promises power and freedom. Money, and mammon promises things. Mammon says that if you have the right clothes, the right car, the right house, live in the right neighborhood, you will be happy and fulfilled. I don't know about you, but I know a lot of rich people that are unhappy and unfulfilled. Because money isn't the answer. God is the answer. Serving money won't get you there. Serving mammon won't get you there. But God will. You say, well, you know, mammon says that more money is the answer to my problems. But as it said, more money, more problems. (laughs) No, the answer is not more money. The answer is more God. Whatever you're going through in your life today, the answer is not someone writing you a check for $1,000. The answer is God showing up. God, and that's what you need in your life is God. Whatever you're praying, the essence of all prayer is this. And it, it, it should be this. God, I need more of you in this situation. If it's a financial thing, God, I need more of Jehovah Jireh, my provider. If you need healing, you, you call on the healer. If, if you need, whatever you need. If you need restoration, you call on the restoring God. But, but we're calling on God because He is the answer. The thing about mammon speaking to you is that mammon lies. He lies. He can't solve your problem. He can't sustain you. He can't fulfill you. He can't satisfy you. He can't do what God does. But it's tempting because money is tangible. Money is tangible. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. It's hard to see faith, but money, I can put my hands on it. Money, I can go down to Five Point Bank and pay my my car note, but it's a little hard to walk in and say, I'm paying on faith today. When you show up at a restaurant and order a steak dinner, they expect some sort of payment, and they're not going to just accept it. You say, well, the Lord's going to come through for me. That's not, and so therefore, the, the tangibleness of, of, of our money and our cash or our credit cards or whatever it might be makes it easy to fall into the trap and the lies that Manaman is speaking. Whereas trusting in God requires faith because you can't see it and you can't always touch it. So it's an easy trap to fall into. Faith may be the currency of heaven. But AT&T doesn't accept it. Truth number two, mammon has friends. Mammon has friends. As you, as you study scripture and you study the way the, the enemy attacks us and the way that, that the spirit world works, he often works in groups. So things go together. Uh, uh, you, you don't usually struggle just with one thing. You're struggling with two or three things all at one time. Mammon, when you start serving mammon, he brings his friends along. One of them is the spirit of pride. The other is the spirit of poverty. And, and he, he brings them along and he attacks you. Poverty causes you to be ashamed of the blessings of God. Pride p- causes you to say, well, 
I earned it. I worked hard for it. I did this. And they pull us away from the heart of God, of serving God. For, uh, putting God first, being a giver, results in the blessings of God. The devil can't stop it. So what does he try to do? He tries to make you ashamed of it or to get you to take credit for it. I'm really preaching a lot better than you're amening this morning. I, just be honest with you. Thank you. Pride says wealth comes from hard work. Poverty says wealth comes from the devil. You shouldn't be ashamed and you shouldn't be proud. Because when you get, when, when, when pride or poverty step into your life, when mammon steps into your life, these, these spirits are things focused rather than God focused. They're focused on things and material things and what you did to earn them rather than what God has done for you. And I have what I have because of the grace of God and the love of God in my life. Pride says, oh, well, that, you got that new suit or that new outfit. Pride says it was imported from Europe. Poverty says this whole thing, I got it on Target on the half-off sale. Pride may, wants to make people think we paid more than we did for it. Poverty wants people to think we paid less than we did for it. I can't let you think I spent very much money on anything because that would mean I'm not spiritual. Poverty wants to justify purchases and possessions because it equates blessings with evil. And that's just not the case. Truth number three. We'll come back to that. Truth number three. If I serve mammon, I despise God. This is not my words. This is Jesus. You cannot serve two You can only serve one. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Because if you serve mammon, what Jesus says is you actually despise God. We find ourselves in a difficult situation. And we say, man, I either need God to work a miracle or I need some serious cash from somewhere. And I want you to know what we just did. God work a miracle or money show up to fix my problems. And we have put God into position. You can't serve God and mammon. They're two opposing forces. And we put him there. And then when mammon doesn't deliver, we blame God. When mammon doesn't show up because mammon can't continue to sustain you, we blame God. When mammon doesn't fulfill you, we blame God. Mammon is looking for slaves. Mammon is looking for worshipers. If you love the one, you will despise the others. My question today for you is, how many Christians in the room or that you know are despising God while serving mammon? Showing up on Sundays, acting like they're worshiping Him, but all week long, they're really serving and worshiping mammon. How many Christians that know all ten of the first ten commandments that can say to you the Lord's Prayer are serving mammon? Well, just to be sure that's not you, I'm going to give you five ways to break the spirit of mammon in your life. Five ways. I'm going to go through them quickly. And so jot these down. You can go study them more on your own. The first is one that we've already talked a lot uh, about in this series. And the first way is to redeem it. First way is to redeem it. Last week we spoke from Exodus chapter 13 where uh, the Bible says that the firstborn of everything belongs to the Lord. And if it's a clean animal, then it, belong, it has to be sacrificed. If it's an unclean, it has to be redeemed. It has to be redeemed. Money 
is not evil, but it is unclean. And so it has to be redeemed. And so that's where it comes to bringing the first 10% of all of our increase into the house of God. It redeems our finances. So one of the ways you break the back and break the spirit of mammon in your life is to make sure that you are redeeming your money by being faithful to God in your tithe and offering. Um, and here's the thing, and I, what I love about that scripture is he, says, is he talks about how everything has to be redeemed, even your firstborn son. And, and so what we realize in that is that we are unclean. Here's what I love about God, though. He doesn't leave us in our mess, but he sent the clean son to redeem the rest of us unclean, that we might be sons and daughters in his kingdom. God tithed when he sent Jesus for you. That's what he did. God never asked you to do anything that he wouldn't first do. He tithed when he sent his son Jesus. And he gave the first, the clean, the lamb, to pay the price so that we might have life. And we might become clean. That's what Jesus did. And he did it by faith. He did it stepping out there by faith. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Before we believed Him, He loved. we sang the song today, He loved us before we ever loved Him. On faith, He tithed for you. Second way is to know your source. Know your source. God is my source. God is not just a resource for me. God is, just, is not just a free bank account where I can go pull things out of. God is not just an investment account where I put things in and it's earning interest and I can go back and get it when I need it. That's not what God... God is my source and everything that I have comes from Him. When you... When you when, yeah. when you go to uh, wash your hands... Uh, in the faucet, you, you turn it on and water comes out. The faucet is not the source. That water is coming from a source, but it's not the faucet. The faucet just allows it to open and close. You've got to know who the source is in your life. The, the faucet, your job, your boss, your paycheck is not your source. It just might be the thing that's opening and closing, but it is not the source. God is your source. And when He is Lord and He is God in your life, it's this understanding and it creates this heart of gratitude in me that everything that I have came from Him. So I gladly, if you want the first 10%, you got it, God. You want the first 50%, you've got that too. Why? Because it all comes from you anyway. He's my source. It's a heart of gratitude. And a heart of gratitude will defeat pride and poverty every time. Pride, pride says, I deserve more. Poverty says, I should feel guilty. But gratitude says, thank you, God. You get that new house and, and, uh, that we, we heard about on the, on the video today. Uh, and pride says, well, we were going to get a bigger one. Poverty says, well, it was just a foreclosure. We got a great deal on it. But, but gratitude and knowing your source says, thank you, God, for pouring out blessings upon my life. Pride says that's a custom suit. Poverty says that's half a price suit. Gratitude just says, look how good God is. Pride wants people to think we paid more. Poverty wants people to think we paid less. Gratitude doesn't care what people think. It only cares what God thinks and gives Him all the credit. And that's the truth. Number three, it's going to get real now. Work hard. You want to break the spirit of mammon in your life? Work hard. Don't expect something that you didn't work hard for. 
If God opens up the windows of heaven over your life and blesses you, you ought to know the difference between, man, I've been working hard, and, and, and yet God just, He gave me more than I could have ever dreamed and imagined. Because I know my source. But work hard. Let me just throw four scriptures at you. But I assure you there are dozens in, in the Bible on this topic. Here's some. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. When you go to Exxon this week, when you go to St. Elizabeth Hospital this week, when you go to wherever you're going this week, don't work for men. Work hard, not for their sake because they treated you right and paid you right, but work for God. Do it as unto God. Uh, Proverbs 14, 13 and 4. This is a good one. Lazy people want much, but get little. But those who work hard will prosper. This is Bible. I don't even got to say anything. There it is. Lazy people want much and get little, but those who work hard will prosper. Here's another proverb for you. Chapter 12, verse 24. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. A slave to what? Mammon. A slave to people. That are that, that, a slave to things and chasing that stuff and the money and the dream and the happiness that it promises. No, 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 no. Work hard and become a leader. Be lazy and become a slave. Is that too much or, or one more? Okay. For, <laughs> all the parents are like, can you keep on this subject? I got a teenager and just no. Timothy chapter 5, verse 18. The laborer deserves his wages. When you do what is right, when you work hard, you can expect that God's going to bless you. You ought to expect to get what is yours because you've been serving unto God. You know your source. Like, I, I didn't do this for you anyway. I did this for God. And a laborer deserves his wages. Work hard as unto God, not mammon. Laziness does not attract the blessings of God in your life. God's not roaming. His eyes are roaming to and fro around the earth, but He's not looking for the laziest He can find. And say, let me just go bless Him. No, no, no. Work hard as unto the Lord. Work hard. Put God first. Know that He's your source. Redeem it. And He'll bless you. Let's go on to number four. It's going to get even worse real fast before it gets better. So, so one is redeem, redeem it. Number two is know your source. Number three is work hard. Number four is be a good steward. Be a good steward. Be a good steward. When you know your source and you work hard, then you must be a good steward. But if you're in constant need of God rescuing, rescuing you financially, we should ask ourselves, do I have a God problem or do I have a stewardship problem? Now, everybody gets at a place in their life here or there when they need God to step in. That's not the point. When you've been faithful to God, you, you, have, you can come boldly before the throne and say, Lord, I need you today. But if you're constantly in problems and it's week after week after week, you know what? The chances are you're living above your means. And it's just serious. It's not a God problem. It's a numbers problem. There are exceptions to the rule. There are, there are people that are fighting and putting God first. And, uh, you know, maybe you're a single mom or maybe you just went through a divorce or maybe you just lost your jobs. There, there are times and seasons that may defy this rule. But if you've been here 
for 10 years in a row now. God, I need a miracle. God, I need you to show up. God, I need you to help me. Maybe we're just being bad stewards. There are always times when there might be extenuating circumstances, but has the exception become the rule? Because if it has, it's a stewardship problem. Get some help. We have some, some great opportunities. If you need help, we, we can help you here at, at Triumph. And uh, we have life teams that help you be a better steward, help you get out of debt, help you get in a better place and, and move your life forward. We have great life teams for that uh, throughout the year. Every time we have life teams, there's a session you can be involved in. There's one going on right now. Um, Maude leading it? Uh, Ahmad Davis is doing a great job. He's, he's a, an incredible financial planner, and he'll help you. But get help. All of our campuses, we have people that can help you. Don't be a bad steward. Keep being a bad steward. Blame it on ignorance and blame it on God. Do something about it. Do something about it. Because here's the truth. Here's the truth. God rewards good stewardship. God rewards good stewardship. In Matthew, the 25th chapter... He said, well done, good and faithful servant, the one who handled his money correctly. He said, you've been faithful over little, I'm going to make you ruler over much. God is good with numbers. He's a good steward, and he likes good investments. And I want to be a good investment to God. And if I can't handle $500, why do I think that God would give me $5,000? So, God, I'm going to be a good steward. Stewardship doesn't let mammon rule you, but it's about getting control of your money. Stewardship doesn't live reactive, but it lives proactive, making a plan, making a budget, and living by it. You know, I, I read this this week, that the number two reason for divorce in America is finances. The number two reason is fine. You know what the number one reason is? Communication. They're just not communicating. But you know the number one thing that they don't communicate? is money. <laughs> So no, number one is we don't communicate about money. The number two reason is money. I don't know if we're sensing a pattern here. But we need to ask God for help. We need to be good stewards. And number five is just simply this. Be generous. Be generous. This, this is not just about giving to the church or giving to God, but this is about a, a, a reflection of your heart. Jesus said, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. But he's not, if you go back and read the context in both Matthew's version and Luke's version, he's not just talking about money. He's talking about give grace and give mercy. And when you could judge, don't judge. Because whatever measure you judge with, that same measure is going to be pressed down, shaken together to make sure you can get more in there, and then poured back on until it's running over. So if you judge that much you're going to get that much judgment back in your life whatever you give but but here's the thing it is uh it is hard to not be generous and yet still have a relationship with jesus because at his very core god is generous he gave his one and only son for us. Money is not the point. It's the joy that we receive from giving. It's the power that comes from obedience. Giving is not a get-rich-quick scheme, but the way Jesus did it, it's actually a lay-down-your-life plan and challenge. That's the truth. Be generous in your life. Give love freely. Give away hope freely. 
Give away peace freely. Be generous with people. When you see someone in need and you have enough, Jesus said, you, you see someone with no coat and you have two, give them one. It's a reflection of a heart of generosity. And I'm not even talking about giving to the church. I'm just talking about being generous in your life. Be generous in your life. When a little, little girl came in selling Girl Scout cookies the other day. I don't even, I don't, I don't need any more sugar in my house. I just, no, none, no one else that with me had cash. So I got, the, I was the one left. So what do I do? Grab some money, buy the boxes, and pass them out to the people in, in the building. I don't even know all these people. I was just like, here, here's some Girl Scout cookies. Why? Because God's put in me a generous heart. And I look at this, I just want to help this little girl. She's just trying to sell some cookies so she can get a badge. I don't know what she's doing. She wants to learn how to cook and sew and such. I just want to help this little girl. Are you generous in your life? Forget giving to the church and all that. Are you generous in your life? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 6 as we close. Don't lay up for yourselves treasure on earth. Because when you lay yourselves treasure on earth, you're putting it in a place when it can be stolen from and eaten and destroyed. Your money is not protected. I don't care if you're using PayPal. It is not protected when it's on the earth. But here's what God says. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where I can watch over them and I can make sure that no one can get to them. But here is the real principle. He's talking about money. He really is. But beyond that, the bigger principle for Jesus right here is where your treasure is there, your heart is also. So if your treasure is in money, in a place that can be stolen and eaten and devoured, in a place where the devil can get to it, he'll get not only to your money, but he'll get to your heart. But if you'll lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, you'll serve God and not mammon. You'll put God first in your life. Not only is your money and your treasure and your time and your talents and your giftings, not only is that protected, where your treasure is there, your heart is also. Now your heart is protected as well. And remember, there's a war raging. Satan doesn't care about your money. God certainly doesn't need your money. But there, there's a war raging for your heart. The problem is our heart and our treasure are connected. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. How, how's your heart today? Has your heart been beat up, broken, messed up? God wants to help you today. God is a restorer. You say, well, the pieces of my heart are scattered all over the country for the last three decades. God's got all the pieces with him. He's just waiting on you to invite him back in. And he'll restore it and make your heart brand new again. Because God cares about your heart. I want to pray over you and then our host is coming today. Father, I thank you that you've given us a plan to protect our hearts. That we can redeem our money and we can break the spirit of mammon over our life and that we can serve you. And, and when we do, when we serve you and not money and mammon, when we serve you as our God and our source and we put you first, we, we're storing up treasures in heaven. And not only are you going to protect us uh, in, in our finances and in, in our treasures and our gifts and our talents and our family, but God... You're going to protect our hearts. Lord, I pray that you would restore hearts today. That you would restore hearts today. For those that are going through times of brokenness and pain and worry and doubt. Lord, I pray that you would bring that all back around into you. That you would protect them. That you would love them. That you would lead them. That you would guide them. 
that you would restore them. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.